It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. You know, we're not even going to talk about that loss to the Wizards. We're going to look forward on this Friday Locked On Celtics to the Sixers series. And I got two guests with me that you'll recognize. Millie's. Let's go. Hey, welcome back here to the Lockdown Celtics podcast, a special tripod. It's me, John Corrales, Boston Celtics beat writer for MassLive.com, joined by two jerks who work for The Athletic, <laughs> who are sitting here showing the armpits. Jay King, Jorm Packard. What's up, fellas? The gang's back together. We're here to preview the Sixers series. Uh, how you guys feeling? I know we just we just did a, like an hour long podcast, so I've already talked to you guys, but we're gonna. Now looking back. Now yeah. we're looking to the future. Can you yeah. guys? Can you guys hear the baby crying in my apartment building? No, no. There has been a fucking baby <laughs> crying. For at least an hour straight now. This must be the unhappiest fucking baby of all time. Would somebody get that thing a pacifier for fuck's sake? Jay King, future future father of the year. Somebody get that thing a pacifier. Well, well, if the baby's been crying for an hour, Jay is trying to come up with solutions. So that is indicative of maybe being a good father. He's not ignoring his child. Do what do what my mom used to do is rub a little bit of ouzo on the gums. Ooh, yeah, yeah. No wonder I drink. So, all right. So, if you haven't listened to the Anything Is Potable podcast, uh, we spent a significant amount of time along with Fred Katz. Uh, it's me and three guys from the Athletic talking about uh, the season, the Celtic season that was and whether it was a success. So go ahead and uh, listen to Anything is Potable, a companion podcast to this that, as Jam said, was looking back today. This At this point now, we're looking forward. The Boston Celtics are going to face the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round of the playoffs. This is something that we originally thought would have been a very terrible matchup, but now, how are you feeling? A little bit better matchup, I would say, right? Yeah, it's... Things have definitely changed for the Celtics, and not just because of 
the Ben Simmons injury, although I think that's a huge deal for Philly. He's been a problem for the Celtics this season. He is, like Joel Embiid, bigger and stronger than all of the Celtics players. And him being out is a big deal. And then the, the other side of a defense, the Celtics have a ton of wings. Philadelphia no longer has the player who's been their best wing defender all season. So it's a it's a massive, massive loss to to lose Ben Simmons for the 76ers. And then on top of that, they've been kind of stinky all season. Yeah. And and I think that that's they don't have a, enough shooting. They don't really fit. They have stopped playing defense in the bubble. I don't think that's a forever thing, but who knows? It could be. The 76ers are not the threat that everybody thought they were. They still do have Joel Embiid, though, which is probably the toughest single matchup for the Celtics in the Eastern Conference, short of Giannis. Jam? It, it's, I don't know. I can't tell if my fears are irrational about, like, they do still have Joel Embiid. If the Sixers are going to win the series, they're basically going to need probably five games of extremely dominant Joel Embiid, best player on the court. I don't know if he has it in him, but there is some weird part of me that's like, maybe if they just, because they don't have Simmons on the court, it's just focused on putting some sort of shooters around Joel Embiid and like they figure something out. I mean, I still think the Celtics are going to win. I don't think it's like a, a big issue, but like one of the problems is like with the Sixers is that they're just roster construction doesn't make sense. And maybe it makes a little bit more sense if you put in, I'm trying to think of who the, their backup point guard is Raul Neto. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm trying so to come that, up with that a makes lot. more sense. Just no, <laughs> that'll plug up all the holes. Furkan Cormans, Furkan, Furkan Cormans is probably going to hit like five threes a game. Um, Corkmaz. Corkmaz. Uh, apologies about that. I mean, the, Joel Embiid is still very good, but do you have any faith in Joel Embiid? Like we saw Joel Embiid against the Sixers. I mean, against the Celtics in Boston, have like hit one of the best games of his career, where he's just absolutely dominant. Got to the line of probably like fifteen to twenty times. And there was no way that anyone besides the uh, Sixers were going to win that game. I don't know if Joel Embiid can do that for four games or enough to win a series. Um, so I don't know. It's the Celtics should win. I, it's I'm not scared. Okay, and, and you know, listening to the broadcast today, Brian Scalabrini not scared. Like a lot of people are sitting there saying not scared of the Sixers. Uh, I, I'm not ready to say not scared of the Sixers. I think the Celtics should win, uh, but I can see certain scenarios where it's going to be hard to win. Like this isn't – I think people say, oh, no Ben Simmons. Well, fine. They're going to roll through that. And the reasoning is sound. I get it. They have looked like crap, and Simmons is their best wing defender. When you lose your best wing defender, an all-NBA-level – wing defender on a team of, you know, when you're playing a team that has their strength at the wings, that definitely hurts. But, and I don't know if Brad Stevens was reciting accurate numbers or not. I assume he has accurate numbers, but when he said after the game that Philly without Simmons has been the number one offense in the NBA, it's, it's either true or close to true. Because all Brad of a sudden, citing three game sample sizes is just fantastic. But like, it's I don't think it's just three games. I think there three were, or four games, whatever I'm, it is. Simmons missed some time earlier in the year, didn't he? Oh, but, he he meant all year. Yeah, I think so. I think I, that's how I'm taking it. Uh, 
if he's only citing the bubble, then that's a little different. But my point is that when the Celtics have played the Sixers and have played them effectively, especially in the playoffs, not only, of course they had Al, but they would sag off of Ben Simmons and dare him to shoot, which he obviously refused to do. And that helps you defend Joel Embiid because you can throw more bodies at Embiid because they're already there in the, in his vicinity. With You take Simmons out and you put Shake Milton in and Al Horford in, two guys that can reliably hit the three, now you can't sag off of anybody. And I think there is a legitimate fear of Joel Embiid having such success that guys will instinctively want to help. So whether it's Cantor or Tice or Robert Williams or whomever getting destroyed by Joel Embiid, this is like 2008, 9, 10 Orlando Magic when Perk had to guard Dwight Howard. And it was like, just guard him straight up. And if he goes off, he goes off. But don't you dare leave these guys. They don't have a ton of shooting, but they'll, they'll get hot. Tobias Harris can get hot from three. Horford can get hot from three. Shake Milton can get hot from three. If you, if you help off of those guys and try to double-team Embiid, you have the potential to give up a lot of points, and you might have the potential for Philly to – maybe they'll take a drop-off defensively, but maybe they outscore you. And I, I think, to, to your point, like one of the games the Celtics lost against the Sixers this year, Mike Scott hit a bunch of threes. And something like that, if you are helping as as much as you are on Joel Embiid, that can be an issue. The the 76ers, what's interesting interesting about them, even some of their good shooters don't shoot it a lot. Like Al Horford's always been sort of reluctant to shoot the three, even though he's really good, or he, uh, he, even though he fluctuates between good and really good at it. Tobias Harris, same thing. He's not a guy who's like a high volume shooter. Josh Richardson never has been. So I think that's part of their problem with scoring points is that even with Simmons out, they don't have a lot of like high volume guys who you really, really have to dig in on. Um, but Joel Embiid's a problem. And Joel Embiid is is a problem specifically for the Celtics. Daniel Tice just isn't big enough to handle him alone. The Celtics all season have have needed to help rotate, double, all of that. They're gonna need to be sharp in that. And or you risk a guy like Harris getting hot, a guy like Scott even getting hot. Uh, and if if just four or five extra threes go in, then the Sixers become really, really tough. One matchup I'm interested in, in watching is Al Horford because he's going to have to guard probably Jalen Brown. And I think Jalen Brown's increased confidence from the three-point arc is going to be a big deal in this series. Can Al guard him at the arc? How vicious will Brad Stevens be against Al Horford if Al cannot guard any of those guys on the arc? And how much can Philadelphia, already without Simmons, get away with playing Embiid and Horford together? We're going to pause the conversation here and pick it back up in a minute. But first, remember when I was talking to you about Built Bar and how awesome Built Bar was and all of that stuff? Well, I've actually found a protein bar that's better than those Built Bars. It's Built Bar. They made it better. They took a protein bar that I loved already, and they made it better. It's still covered in 100% chocolate. It's still easy to chew. It still tastes great, just like a candy bar, but they made it even 
better. They've got their 12 original flavors, plus six new flavors like caramel brownie and carrot cake and apple almond crisp. These are still the healthy protein bars that I've loved and that you've loved, and they're great for the health-conscious guy. You can lose or maintain your weight while indulging or feeling like you're indulging because they're a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber high fiber bar. They're great for a keto diet, and you're going to get all of the protein and the stuff that you want in your body and none of the stuff that you don't. That's the best part about this. Protein bars can be challenging when you're looking across that, that those shelves at the store. You don't know what to get. Don't bother with the stuff on these store shelves. Go to BuiltBar.com and pick out your combination of flavors. They're all going to be delicious. You're going to feel like you're eating a candy bar and you're going to get stuff that's great for you and great for the goals that you're trying to get with your workouts. And right now, they've reset the promo. So if you've used the code LOCKDOWN before, you can use it again. And you can even get a free crew, free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last, okay? So you got to go now. If you want the free cooler, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you're going to get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off and that free cooler with your purchase while supplies last at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can even follow us on Spotify. As much as there's concerns about, I guess, Phillies maybe increased three-point shooting and all the focus on Embiid, the other end of the court, I just don't see how the Sixers guard the Celtics. They, the Sixers don't have athletic enough wings to really keep up. Like, that is the Celtics' strength. Who do they – say if they have their starting lineup out there, like, they can put Tybal on Kemba, I guess, and then maybe Josh Richardson on Jalen Brown, but then you're still going to have either Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum like Tobias Harris is a, a wing, I guess, but he's not like the most fleet of foot. Like they, the, the Sixers are like, they rely on their size and kind of just being big, but you take Ben Simmons out of the equation. There's so much less ball pressure. I just think the Celtics could like, if it's just a running gun, like shooting three pointers, like I would imagine that favors the, the Celtics just because they have so many more guys who can shoot threes. And I think they can go small against the um, 76ers and play much faster and I think there's just – I don't know how the Sixers are going to be able to slow the Celtics down. That's that's the one thing, as you were talking, it popped into my head, that that best five lineup, this this could be a, a, a series where Brad unleashes that. And You mean against they, a, like when Embiid's not playing? It, even when Embiid's playing, maybe maybe somewhere in the fourth quarter. you What you would theoretically do is uh, obviously Smart would, would – get Embiid 
and you would hopefully if you're if you're ready to if if my strategy is you sacrifice whatever happens with Embiid happens with Embiid and I don't care if Embiid scores every time down the floor well obviously not every time down the floor but um then it doesn't matter if smart guards Embiid because first of all I think Embiid I, I don't trust the conditioning of Embiid and if Embiid's going to be the guy doing all of the work and having to work hard in the post and constantly be trying to score, I think eventually that's going to wear him down. So, yeah, put him out there, run those guys up and down the floor, run Embiid up and down the floor, wear him out. So in the fourth quarter, all he's reduced to is taking threes and and really being, um, I think, you, you can render him ineffective. I think this is an opportunity for that big that that best five lineup and because mostly offensively, who like you said, Jay, who does Al Horford guard? Who does Embiid guard in that in that scenario? I would make Embiid work. You defend Embiid by making him work on the defensive end and wearing him out. Because then Horford, if he's in the game, would have to guard who? Tatum? Brown? That leaves one of those two guys for Embiid to cover. And I just don't I don't think Philly can guard that lineup at all i think they will get run ragged and i think that would impact them on the offensive end if, so if anything goes wrong for the celtics i think the the first thing that pops out to me is that joel Embiid, as good a defender as he is takes away a lot of what they do at the rim uh, when the celtics offense looks disjointed it's because tatum is having struggles at the rim he's shooting shots that have no chance or you know kemba He's not like a, a master at the rim either. He he can get that taken away a little bit too. That's when they look their worst is when they're like flipping up bullshit shots, the, like the Brooke Lopez treatment, how, how yeah. Brooke Lopez swatted six shots and they made a lot of bad decisions at the rim. I think the Celtics have to make good decisions at the rim against Embiid. They need to take the, take advantage of their speed and have that be more – of a factor than Philadelphia's size. And then at the other side, obviously you have Embiid, but also just the glass. The, Philadelphia in the bubble is number one in offensive rebounding. I think they're sixth or seventh for the entire season. And Boston has held up for the most part on the glass, but it's different in a playoff series and it's different against a beast like Embiid, Horford, who can be, who's going to be taller than every Celtic on the floor. Um, and then Harris, who's just as big as any Celtics player in the starting lineup too. So their their size can't be more of an issue than than Boston's speed is. I, I think winning that battle is, is big for the Celtics. I think another thing that could go wrong with respect to the size is like what happens when Daniel Tice gets four fouls in the first half and then <laughs> you're forced to – you know what? Then your backup center, you either have to go to that small lineup, which is basically just like, I guess, conceding the paint to the Sixers, or you're having to play a lot of Ennis Cantor minutes or Rob Williams minutes. And I just have this image burned in my brain of uh, in Philadelphia, Ennis Cantor, just like they ran Josh Richardson pick and rolls at him for like eight consecutive possessions and made Josh Richardson basically look like Kemba Walker and his just ability to hit pull-up jump shots. Like how long can they survive if Canner's getting extended minutes or if it's not Canner, do you have faith in Rob Williams to kind of be 
effective because Daniel Tice is going to get in foul trouble. Just that's <laughs> the nature of Embiid. I mean, we saw when the like just trying to deal with Bam out of bio that how much foul trouble that landed the Celtics in with Marcus Smart fouling out. Like, will that be an impact? And will the Celtics have enough of a like of a backup center to kind of deal with? Basically, it's like. I don't really trust Ennis Cantor because he's such a liability on defense. Do you I think trust? This, I think this could be a Cantor series. I, I do. I I trust Cantor more against the 76ers than against anybody else. And I say that one because his bulk can be really useful against Embiid. He's for all his flaws, he's not a terrible post defender. Like he he can he hangs in there, he competes, he's strong. And then two, I don't think Philadelphia has enough playmaking in the pick and roll to take advantage of his flaws or at least take fierce advantage of his flaws. I know you talked about just told you that Josh talked <laughs> that was it was one stretch of one game. Josh Richardson And it won the game for the 76ers. It was it, one it, game. It was I'm just saying like they don't have the Kyle Lowry. They don't have uh they have Raul Neto, bro. <laughs> this, this is what I'm saying. Checkmate. And they don't like they don't have that like super quick guard who's really skilled in the pick and roll, who's going to give Cantor fits. Obviously, anyone could give Cantor troubles. He's not the greatest lateral mover of all time. But I I, I think this could be a Cantor series. I'm, I'm also interested to see how Robert Williams holds up against Embiid. And, like, I I don't think post-defense post is, like, his forte at the moment. Obviously, he can jump and block shots and stuff. But we'll see. we'll see with Robert Williams against Embiid. You know, the Robert Williams thing is interesting. I I think I think this could be a throw everything at Embiid type of thing. That if Daniel Tice gets into foul trouble, I think everybody's available. Go out there and 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 just Grant beat and him Benny to hell. are two thick boys who got 12 fouls between them. You know, get Grant Williams out there. Grant Williams and now Grant Williams has not done anything. He's not shown much in this bubble that makes it makes it seem like he will play, but throw him out there for a couple of minutes. See, see if he's got it. See if he can hold his own, put a forearm in Embiid's back. And, and look again, my, one of my personal strategies here is banking on Embiid to get tired late in games, because I think that it's definitely a thing. And I just don't think that he's in the kind of shape to withstand a beating. So if you throw a, a fresh bodies at him and if they, even if they become fouls, just make him work, make him work hard, make him feel you. And at some point, you've just got to hope that Embiid going off and look, if Embiid averages 50 for the series, I don't care as long as you hold everyone else to less than 50 or right around there. I think the Celtics can put up 110, 120. They've shown that they're capable of doing that. I think they can win this series by scoring these points and letting Embiid kind of punch himself out and taking over down the stretch of games. So if Tice gets into foul trouble, then you go to Cantor. And if Cantor doesn't have it, if they're they're hitting him in the pick and rolls, then you try Robert Williams. And then you, if if Embiid has to guard Robert Williams, fine. Then he has to come out there and guard Robert Williams. I'm going to stick to that that strategy though, and I still believe that making Embiid work on the defensive end and making him chase people around. I think that's part of the defense on Embiid. You make you really do everything you can to wear him down because without Ben Simmons, 
there's no other option. There's no other star to take over. You can't just sit him down and say, okay, now we're going to do the Ben Simmons with four of the, our other guys. We're going to do that thing that works. One of those guys with four of their, their other players is, a, is something that works. It's just two different styles. They don't have that Simmons style out there where you can run and have Simmons be elite in transition like he is. So take Embiid out of the equation any way you can. I, think, I, I, I just think, think that they can wear him out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. The, I mean, the Sixers, one of their biggest problems is that they just lose all of the Embiid minutes when he's on the bench. And I think that's going to become even bigger of an issue in the playoffs because who is the Celt- or Sixers' primary ball handler? Like, who is their go-to guy? Or, like, right. do you really church? Like, it's going to be Tobias Harris's big, big time to shine when Embiid's on the bench. I think they're going to really struggle. And we talk about Embiid, like his rim protection. Um, and I think it's the same way that uh, the Celtics would have to approach a Milwaukee series. But if they're Embiid's going to drop every time and protect the rim, why aren't you just running Kemba pick and rolls and just like you're having Kemba just take pull up jumpers from the foul line every single time? Like if if you draw Embiid out that much, then I think their rim protection is less. And I think there's definitely an available like uh, option to do that. I was just thinking about it like. Tybal is a very like, great defender. He's going to be pretty good on Kemba, but he's basically an, as effective a shooter as he's going. He's willing to shoot because he's not a coward, but he's basically as good a shooter as Ben Simmons is. Like you can help off him. I'm just trying to think of like what four guys. Obviously, it's Tobias Harris. Obviously, like it's Al Horford. But who are the other two guys? Presumably at the guard position, we'll go with my main man, Josh Richardson. I just can't think of a, like a sustainable lineup that can create enough playmaking or scoring um, for the Sixers for it to sustain an entire series. Now, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, I don't know who you turn to, but you got to see. Like, I question whether playoff Al Horford is going to come in and and be more aggressive. We've seen him have kind of like. Does down. he become the main like point guard? Does like Embiid goes to the bench, and then it's like we're running our offense through like dribble handoffs with Al Horford at the top of the key. I mean, if they're smart, they they kind of have to, right? I mean, that's that's been that's been something that the Celtics have done effectively. So you you kind of have to. You're gonna have to rely on Shake Milton. You're gonna have to rely on other guys to to kind of step up and play above their heads. But it's gonna be difficult because. I think the Celtics offense, we could see a fair amount of, like you said, of Kemba with those pull-up jumpers. I think Gordon Hayward is somebody that's going to be huge in this series because if he's getting those mid-range shots and that mid-range shot's going to be very important in the playoffs, if if he's able to kind of read that and pull Embiid 
further out because at some point hitting those mid-range shots is going to soften up the defense. Then you're going to start seeing those backdoor cuts. And if the Celtics start getting a couple of backdoor cuts, then Philly's got no, no answers for that because that Embiid, Embiid's strength is standing there and swatting people. The Celtics, you brought up the Bucks thing. It's going to be very much like that Bucks series, that Bucks plan of attack. Attack the, the, the paint, get into Embiid, kick it out, have him rotate. As soon as you can get him rotated out, then boom. There, there are ways to get him either to A, rotate and be out of position, or B, not rotate, which leaves a guy open. So I think, I think the Celtics offense is going to be – I think they're going to be able to generate most of the shots that they want. So, so what's your bigger concern, offense for the Celtics or defense for the Celtics? I'm not concerned about the offense at all. I'm, I'm concerned about their defense. I, I think the obvious concern is the defense on Embiid, uh, which I think that they can, they can handle, but there's just a, such a natural inclination to overreact when a guy is torching you that uh, my, my biggest fear is that Embiid goes off and the Celtics make mistakes rotating defensively and someone gets hot and they start losing a game or two because, like you said, Furkan Korkmaz got four catch and shoot corner threes. And, you know, he's going to do it. That's going to happen. Korkmaz is going to be annoying as hell. Like, right. he's going to be public enemy number one. So, but that's, that's how the Celtics lose. The Celtics lose by blowing rotations, overreacting to Embiid, letting somebody get hot and getting torched by threes and and if they can stick to their defensive principles i think they'll be okay offensively i'm seriously i'm not worried one bit they've got too many weapons and without ben simmons that's just such a huge drop off because simmons can literally guard anybody on that team and that that allows them to do so much defensively it raises the game of everybody to lose him defensively is the biggest loss because not only does he allow them to get stops, but then he is an elite transition guard. And that, those two things, being able to get the stops, turn those live ball turnovers into transition points, that is such a huge part of Philly's uh, formula to win that once that's gone, that I'm not, I'm not worried about the Celtics scoring points. So guard and bead, figure out how to guard and bead. It's actually kind of paradoxical because you, know, you think that Embiid is the Celtics' worst matchup, and a team with this like the size of the Sixers would be bad matchup. But I think actually, like it kind of plays into the Celtics' style of being an extremely quick team, and like they can counteract that by playing fast and being switchable and doing all those things. I think what we saw, at least my takeaway from the Miami game, um, was that it's a a team that plays equally as small and has like a big like Bam that can do a bunch of things actually hurts the Celtics because it kind of like reduces them to like they get no advantage from their ability to play small. And so I think actually the contrast there, it benefits the Celtics on offense. The biggest concern being that like Embiid goes off and that like the three point shooters are knocked down. But I agree with you, John, that if you like, you just talk about getting Embiid tired, it, it takes a lot of energy to score 40 points a game. And so, and that's just on the offensive end. I think they like, it's really about being disciplined and just letting Joel Embiid do that because Embiid has the tendency to bail out 
anytime he takes a three, that's a win for the Celtics. Anytime he takes any shot that's not in the paint, that's a win for the Celtics. And he tends to get like kind of tired and lazy and just does that. And I think if they just like kind of let MB do that, they'll generally tire him out and they, their kind of depth will, will win out in the end. So let's finish this up by saying predictions. Jay, what do you think? Celtics in five. 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 Jim. That's what I was going to say. Uh, so that, Celtics in five. Okay. Well, I'll say. No, Celtics sweep, baby. I knew, it, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, I'll, I'll go the other way and say Celtics in six to allow for the Cur- the Furkan Korkmaz annoyingly hot game and the inevitable game of Embiid getting lazy and tired but still hitting like three threes down the stretch and having that be something that happens. So there could be also like a Tobias Harris 35 point game. Sure. Like I'm just trying to think of all that kind of players. So I mean possibilities of like things that could happen. Also Al Horford revenge game could happen. What are the chances Al Horford? Oh my. The tweet oh, oh. that Anna Horford is going to be tweeting off while uh, this series is going on is just absolutely mind blowing. Oh, but the <laughs> Hal Horford revenge game, I think, one, just because it would be to spite Philly fans who have been so mean to him for this entire season. But I think there is potential for him. There's just one of those guys. I agree with you, it could possibly go six because you never know in the playoffs. There's always one guy who like, gets hot and like can swing a game. I think it, uh, Tobias Harris could do it. I definitely think Al Horford could do it. And I fucking know that Corkmans is doing it. <laughs> no doubt. There's I no think, doubt that Furkan Corkmans is going to purchase at the, one point. The 76ers <laughs> remind me so much of last year's Celtics team. Yeah. They're, they're just a talented group that just hasn't fit. They, they had that four-month NBA hiatus, still couldn't get the pieces to fit. Then they lost Seriously. Simmons. I they think, know changes are coming. They know like Brett Brown's on the yeah. hot seat. Like, I as, think, like, as soon as their adversity, I could see them folding. Yeah. yeah. I, I think one element of this is uh, the lack of home court. And Philly is so good at home, so good at home, that not having that takes away one of those kind of like, uh, even if the Celtics were to win the first two in Boston, you know game three would be a Philly win. And you know that there's a risk of a game four. Even if they stole one, whatever, like you know that there was going to be a a Philly just home playoff craziness win in that. And Embiid especially feeds off that crowd so much with no crowd to feed off of. You do wonder if some of these these runs that Philly might make in general or, or might be capable of making, if the Celtics respond that they just don't have that that counter counter, you know, that second counter punch. That's I think that's definitely a fear for for the Sixers and Sixers fans that without that home juice, that they might they might not have it. And and it almost like Kyrie last year when I was saying in the other podcast where, you know, he, he started switching on to Giannis. Like if this, if the shit hits the fan, 
Do the Sixers just pack it in? Does Embiid just pack it in and say, you know what? Let's get Brett Brown fired. Let's let's. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with this. You know, get me one step closer to signing with Miami so I can go hang out with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I I think there's a chance too. The Sixers look at it like Al Horford could get traded. They they may want to break up at least part of that roster. Brett Brown could get fired. There's a lot going on in that locker room. I I don't think after Simmons went down, they really think they can make a title run. Before that, they probably held out hope. Now they might just want to be like, let's get the fuck out of the bubble. Let's yeah. go. Let's just go home. And I, I am interested to see the psychological impact of the bubble on playoff series because there's no more home court advantage. There's no more like having the comfort of, okay, even if we lose the first two games, we're going home. If you lose the first two games now, that is could be a death sentence, you know? Yeah. Like, like what? And then if it is a death sentence, do teams just say, you know what? Screw it. Let's just get the hell out of Orlando. This is a hellscape. Let's get the <laughs> fuck home. I I, I think I, I'm interested interested to see how how all of that sways playoff series. Yeah, how, the rhythm of a playoff series will be entirely different. Totally back different. of home court. Totally and how different. many deposits in the bank of trust have the seventy two? <laughs> because they were shoddy for the entire pre pandemic. And it's not like they are like the Suns right now and like have really gone on a run and have like come together uh, since coming to the bubble. There's just nothing to rely on for them to like be like, we we got this. Whereas it feels like the Celtics um, were playing great basketball before the pandemic and are like really on a rhythm right now and seem to be hitting their stride as they enter the playoffs. It feels like that's just all all signs point to the Celtics being like just the more reliable team, um, yeah. at least in the first round. Yeah. I mean, I agree. But I will say, it would be the worst thing that could ever happen to this Celtics team. To lose to Philly without Ben Simmons would be the worst way to end a very positive season. Awesome. Well, on that note, Jay, (laughs) going to wrap it up on a high note, but thanks for putting that thought in our heads. You're right, though. It would be the worst thing that could happen. The worst. It would be the worst. It It would be the worst case scenario would put the ultimate horrible taste on what what has been a great season for the Celtics um yeah so all right but we all think they're gonna win we all think they're gonna win fairly easily so we'll see how that goes uh if again we we spent 45 minutes talking about how this past season went and that was on the anything is potable podcast so home and home series Anything is potable and locked on Celtics. Appreciate you guys doing the home and home, uh, coming back, coming back home, I should say, on the locked on Celtics. Podcast. Fuck, we forgot to shout out your book on our podcast. We, we did forget to shout out. That was book. the whole we, reason we brought you on the podcast. We wanted to I'm shout have out to come back book. on the podcast. No one told me that was the reason John was on the podcast. I thought we were just hanging out. No, yeah, Jay, I, I want I'm the host I wanted, of that podcast. You have to tell me these things if you need to get a shout out in. <laughs> I wanted to promote his book. This is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come back now to promote my book. Oh no, we we will just cut out this portion of the audio no, and, and no, stick it on the end the of the podcast. podcast. This is on the Locked On Celtics podcast, but we're sticking it on the end of our my podcast too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of work for me to kind of edit those two things. Yeah, see, Jan doesn't want to do that work. It's so much easier for me to come back on an off day. And promote my book. What book is that? When does it come out? Where can you buy it? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Sam Packard. 
pause for edit. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, Boston Celtics all time all stars, the best players at each position for the seas. It is I pick a twelve man roster, two players at each position. So I have a debate at point guard, all 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 five positions. I name one player a starter, the other player is the backup. I've got two wild cards to make out the twelve man roster, and I get the same thing for the coaches. So I have a head coach and an assistant coach. And then I have uh, a section where I put guys that I wish I could vote for that aren't really all-stars, but I felt like I should mention a few of them because I would love to have them on that team. If Marcus Smart's not a wild card, I might have to burn that book. (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers, though. Don't tell me. No spoilers. No spoilers. But it's available everywhere books are sold for pre-order. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent booksellers. Just search for Boston Celtics all-time all-stars or search for my name and it will come up. So everybody buy my book, pre-order the book. It drops in December. And yeah. It's fucking awesome you wrote a book. It is. It's extraordinarily great. I I hated the entire process of it. It was a lot of work. But um, the fact that I did it is, I mean, I'm glad that I can say that I wrote a book. That's that's wild. Published author John Corrales. You can say that for the rest of your life. I can say that. I can hold up a book and be like, I wrote this thing. You were number one best-selling author, John Corrales, for like a week. You put on Twitter. Uh, for, for, so I was the number one new basketball book on, on Amazon for like four days. And then someone else dropped a basketball four, book. Four more days than me and Jay. <laughs> I got it. I got that screenshot. Like I joked on Twitter, I'm like the Jordan Crawford of authors where I've got like my my player of the week and I got my screenshot where it says number one new book and that's it. I'm happy and whatever. Uh, but I hope people buy it and I hope it ends up, you know, doing okay. And it, like I said, it's going to come out in December. So hopefully right well, around the beginning of next season. You have to buy it. You have to buy it because that's, hey, if you buy that book, that's 12 cents in my pocket, baby. Ooh, 12 cents for every copy. 12, 12 cents per book. Yeah. Uh, so buy 10 copies, please. <laughs> can I just Venmo you 12 cents? You and you can give me the book. <laughs> you can, you, well, I mean, yeah, you can Venmo. Yeah. I'll give you a free book if you Venmo me 12 cents. Sounds like a deal. I don't want to give man. money to those goddamn corporations. Right. Right. Give me a case of free books. Uh, I'll dole them out for 12 cents a piece. <laughs> all right guys thanks thanks for that uh everybody buy my book subscribe to me subscribe to lockdown celtics subscribe to anything is potable go ahead give these two jerks a follow um it's it's a good podcast i listen to it even though i know jay doesn't listen to this one but uh go ahead and subscribe to them not a podcast guy of course (laughs) thanks for listening this has been the lockdown celtics podcast here on the lockdown podcast fire up (laughs) <laughs> the Lockdown Podcast Network. <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.